0: This is a podcast from The Business Times.
1: Starting the week, Singapore shares opened lower after US equities dipped Friday on news that debt ceiling negotiations were paused. The Straits Times index was down 0.3% at the open, but closed in the green, up 0.27% at 3,211.09 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares opened lower. The STI was down 0.3% in early trade and rose 0.2% to close at 3,218.08 points amid improving market sentiment. At the midweek, Singapore shares opened slightly lower following overall trends in the global markets. The STI dipped 0.2% at the open and fell to close 0.1% down at 3,214.21 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares opened lower after the Ministry of Trade and Industry estimated full-year gross domestic product to come in at around the midpoint of its official forecast range of 05 to 2.5% year-on-year. The STI was down 0.3% at the open and closed 0.2% down, settling at 3,207.72 points. It's Friday, May 26. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares opened higher following strong overnight gains on Wall Street. The STI was up 0.1% to 3,210.81 points. Here's Amelia Tan, market analyst at SGX Securities, wrapping the trading week.
0: In the week to date, the STI held up and remained largely unchanged, while most Asian markets declined with the FTSE Asia-Pacific Index down 1.2%. Looking back in the Singapore market, outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were sinarmas Land, AEM Holdings and Sets, averaging 8.5% gains. On the other hand, underperformers for the week were Oxley Holdings, Top Glove, and DFI Retail Group, averaging 9.5% declines. Technology Plays led gains during Thursday's session with AEM Holdings up 6.2%. UMS Holdings up 4.1% and Franken Group up 3.1%. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 24 May, we observed net institutional fund outflows of 112 million SING dollars. By sector, the highest net inflows over the last five sessions were seen across industrials at 29 million, followed by consumer non-cyclicals at 9 million and healthcare at 2.3 million. On the other hand, Financial Services recorded the highest net outflows of 83 million, followed by REITs at 34 million and technology at 13 million. Largest inflows were seen in Jardine Matheson, SC Engineering, and Miwa International, while largest outflows were recorded in DBS, OCBC, and Thai Beverage. For the more passive investors, the top three SGX listed ETFs that saw the most net inflows for the month to date include iShares Asia High Yield Bond ETF. Nikko Am Straits Trading Asia X Japan REIT ETF and Lion Philip S REIT ETF. The iShares Asia High Yield Bond ETF recorded over 117 million in net inflows, a highest since February 2022. Yongjun Yuan joins us for his take of the week. This
2: week, regional markets were mixed. For the five days ended May 25th, Japan's Nikkei 225 gained 0.7 percent. South Korea's Kospi gained 1.6 percent. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index fell 5%, and the Kuala Lumpur Composite Index shed 1.8%. Markets this week saw greater volatility as U.S. debt talks remained unresolved. U.S. President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy remained locked in negotiations to raise the 31.4 trillion U.S. dollar debt ceiling to avoid a potentially catastrophic default. IG Market Analyst Yap Jun Rong said on Thursday that for market sentiment to strengthen investors may be looking for more concrete resolution rather than verbal reassurances from both parties. Still, there may have been other reasons for the lackluster performance of Chinese and Asian indices this week. Oanda Asia-Pacific senior market analyst Kelvin Wong on Thursday noted that Chinese benchmark stock indices and their proxies have shed some of their earlier China reopening theme play gains. He cited reasons such as weakness in Chinese-leading economic data, as well as the perceived inaction of the People's Bank of China to implement more accommodative monetary policies as potential reasons for the weakened market sentiment. In other news, Singapore saw headline inflation rebound to 5.7% year-on-year in April, while core inflation stood unchanged at 5%. Both figures were higher than economists forecast, but market watchers still do not expect the Monetary Authority of Singapore to change its monetary policy settings in October. Meanwhile, on the local boss, Singtel posted its financial year 2023 earnings on Thursday. It saw a 6% year-on-year increase in net profit to $1.1 billion for the half-year ended March 31st this year, despite a 4% fall in operating revenue to $7.4 billion. The company attributed the fall in revenue to the lack of migration revenue from Australia's national broadband network, contributions from digital marketing subsidiary MOB, which it divested in 2022, and a 7% depreciation of the Australian dollar. The company says that it remains committed to its strategic reset, positioning itself for growth in areas such as its 5G enterprise services, regional data centers, and NCS, the telco's ICT solutions provider. It also declared a final dividend of 5.3 Singapore cents per share, bringing the total dividend payout for financial year 2023 to 14.9 Singapore cents.
1: Still to come, company-focused news and what to note in the Singapore market with Amelia. In the next podcast episode of Editor's Talk… Inspired by the Business Times column, Off the Record, we turn our attention to audience editors from the newsrooms of SPH Media. Hi, I'm Clarissa Montero, podcast editor at the Business Times. In the next episode of Editors Talk, I'll be sitting down with Business Times head of our audience teams. Have you ever wondered what they do? How driven by analytics, both big and small data, are they? And... What makes an audience specialist in the modern media world? And that's just my first few questions. Associate Editor Audience at the Business Times, Chan Chiaopong, joins us next. Out June 12th. Check in for the latest in Editor's Talk from the Business Times Podcasts team.
0: And now, back to market focus from the Business Times.
1: Amelia. Singapore macroeconomic data released yesterday gave investors
0: pause. Please
1: give us the highlights.
0: That's right, Janice. Singapore's gross domestic product grew 0.4% in Q1 2023, a notch higher than the earlier advance estimates of 0.1%, and the 0.2% that private sector economists had expected in a Bloomberg poll. Singapore's full-year growth is likely to come in at around midpoint of the official forecast range of 05 to 2.5% year-on-year, according to the Ministry of Trade and Industry, after taking into account the weaker outlook. On a seasonally adjusted quarterly basis, the economy contracted 0.4%, reversing from the 0.1% growth in Q4. This was better than the 0.7% contraction in the advance estimate. Despite earlier concerns of a technical recession among private sector economists, the MTI chief economist said that the ministry is not expecting one this year and it should pick up gradually in the second half of 2023. Non-oil domestic exports is expected to contract by 10 to 8% year-on-year in 2023, down from the earlier forecast of negative 2 to 0% previously. Total merchandise trade is now projected to shrink by 8 to 6% from the previous forecast of negative 2 to 0%. This is in line with the weakened outlook for manufacturing and other trade-related sectors. Nordics fell 16.2% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2023, extending the previous quarter's 14% decline. Electronics Nordics fell 25.2%, while non-electronic Nordics declined by 13.6%. On a seasonally adjusted quarter-on-quarter basis, first quarter Nordics declined by 3.3%, following the 11.7% contraction in the previous quarter. Singapore's headline inflation was up 5.7% in April, while core inflation remained unchanged at 5%. Both measures were higher than what economists had expected, as higher headline inflation was recorded for services and private transport. Private transport and accommodation inflation are expected to moderate over the course of the year, on the back of the increase in Certificate of Entitlement quota, and ramp up in the supply of housing units. International visitor arrivals continue to exceed 1 million in April for the second straight month this year. Tourism arrivals jumped to 1.13 million in April, up from 1.02 million recorded in the preceding month. The month's arrival numbers set a new post-pandemic record, although it remained below the 1.7 million visitors recorded pre-pandemic. In the year to date, Singapore received some 4.04 million visitor arrivals against the 12 to 14 million arrivals that the Singapore Tourism Board expects to hit this year. In Singapore, the 10 most traded stocks that represent the travel and hospitality industries have returned an average 1.3% gain in the year-to-date, outperforming STI's 0.3%. The 10 stocks booked net institutional inflows of over 187 million while the broader Singapore stock market recorded over $2.3 billion of net institutional outflows. The Monetary Authority of Singapore and China Securities Regulatory Commission are looking to explore ETF product links on both the SGX and Shanghai Stock Exchange. The two exchanges signed a Memorandum of Understanding to establish an ETF product link, which will allow eligible fund managers to offer ETF products to investors on both exchanges. Demand for China and Singapore equities ETFs in Singapore remains strong, with a combined asset under management of $2.9 billion, as at this April. Singapore investors will soon be able to invest in Thailand stocks via Singapore Depository Receipts starting 30 May, An MOU will also be signed between SGX and the Stock Exchange of Thailand on the Thailand-Singapore DR linkage to enhance regional connectivity. Investors can trade SDRs via the local brokers, gaining greater exposure to overseas listed securities and enjoy more convenience of trading through their usual platform. The SDRs will trade on the SGX securities market during local trading hours and in Singapore dollars. The inaugural SDRs are issued by Philips Securities and represent the beneficial ownership interest in the underlying securities of Airports of Thailand. CP All, and PTT Exploration and Production, which are constituents of the benchmark SET50 index. Amelia, please give us the company-focused highlights for the week. Certainly. Maple Tree Industrial Trust announced that it will be acquiring a new data centre in downtown Osaka, Japan, for 52 billion yen. The acquisition offers the REIT a strategic opportunity to diversify its data centre presence into Japan. Post-acquisition, Japan will account for about 5.5% of the MIT's portfolio. The asset is fully leased to a data center operator with a weighted average lease to expiry of about 20 years. Construction and the first phase of fitting out works have been completed and the building is expected to be fully fitted by May 2025. Manulife US REIT has entered into a letter of intent to sell Phipps Tower in Atlanta, Georgia to the manufacturer's life insurance company as part of the REIT's ongoing strategic review. It intends to deploy proceeds into debt repayment or capital expenditure such as tenant incentives. The REIT is also considering proposals from other prospective partners for the potential sale and this comes as the exclusivity period with Mirai Asset Global Investments has lapsed. These REIT transactions also follow on from last week's announcement by Capital Land Ascenders REIT, which announced the proposed acquisition of an integrated high-specification research and development facility and business park property from Seagate Singapore International Headquarters for $218.2 million. After the sale, Seagate Singapore will enter into a 10-year leaseback of the property's entire gross floor area with the option to renew for an additional 10 years. The long lease term with built-in rent escalation of 2.5% per annum is expected to provide stability and resilience to the portfolio. I'd like to highlight some recent business updates. DBS said that it expects to lift its annual earnings to more than $10 billion within the next 3-5 to five years after posting a record first-quarter profit earlier this month. DBS forecasts a return on equity of between 15 and 17% in the medium term and for its common equity Tier 1 ratio, a measure of a bank's resilience, to be in the range of 125 to 13.5%. The bank said faster growth in capital-light high ROE businesses such as wealth management, global transaction services and treasury market sales will help it achieve its goals and is also looking for growth in markets such as India, Indonesia and Taiwan. DBS also sees room for higher distributions, such as through dividends or share buybacks, dependent on business conditions and the macroeconomic outlook. Singtel posted $1.1 billion in net profit for the second half-ended March, up 6.1% from a year ago, bringing its full-year net profit to $2.23 billion, up 14% year-on-year. Singtel reported that its core businesses performed strongly, underpinned by robust mobile growth and price uplifts as international travel and roaming recovered, Rising 5G adoption and an increase in demand for ICT services. As a result, underlying net profit was up seven percent to 2.05 billion. Singtel proposed a final dividend per share of 5.3 cents, bringing the total dividend per share to 14.9 cents. City Developments reported a slowdown in its sales for the first quarter ended March. The group and its joint venture associates sold 88 units with a total sales value of $213.2 million in Q1, compared to 188 units with a total sales value of $477.9 million in the previous year. Despite the challenging outlook and geopolitical tensions globally, City Developments has reported that they are confident of weathering through the uncertainties and maintains a lookout for suitable investment opportunities. This has been
1: Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. With Amelia Tan, market analyst at SGX Securities, and Yong Jin Ren from the Business Times News Desk.
0: This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimescomsg podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.